Welcome to the latest PinkCast in the Pink Elephant podcast series, dedicated to leading the way in IT management best practices. Good day. My name is Pierre Bernard. I am the Manager of Education Services for Pink Elephant. Welcome to this PinkCast on Understanding Change Models. The literature today in ITOL has a lot of description on what needs to be present in an organization regarding the various topics it needs to address in order to be successful when embracing ITOL best practices. One element missing, however, is how to prescribe what needs to be done in order to achieve that. One such topic that has a lot of contention for organizations are change models. So let's start with what is a change? Looking at the definition of a change, a change is an action resulting in a new status for one or more IT infrastructure configuration items. That being said, we need to understand how it applies in any given organization. Most organizations will have similar definitions of the change. ITO describes four different types of changes. Standard changes, minor, significant, and major. What do they really mean? Well, let's have a look at some examples of those. For those of you who have done the foundation course, this will be very familiar. A standard change is something that is repetitive by nature, is well understood, well documented, and where the risk is very limited. Examples of those include things like installing software on a laptop, such as a Microsoft Office product, such as Visio. In a car, it would be similar to doing an oil change, something that we do on a regular basis. A minor change involves more risk, more cost, but is also quite simple by nature. However, we need to assess its risk in relationship to other changes happening in the organization. A significant change will require a group of people to assess the change, normally the change advisory board. The risk here is more important. The danger of implementing incorrectly the change can result in a major or significant loss of business. A major change is assessed by a body of senior managers. Why? Because the risk is too great for the organization not to understand what needs to be done properly in order to be successful. Looking at the classification per CI type, we have to look at what is the category of configuration items to which changes will apply. At the highest level, we have the service layer. A service is made up of multiple layers called systems. These systems are made of configuration items, and each configuration item has its own set of attributes. Each change will modify one of these layers, or multiple layers. So how do we do this? Well, looking at the IT infrastructure, we have hardware, software, and documentation. We can have a standard hardware change, a minor hardware change, a significant or a major hardware change. The same logic would apply to software as well as documentation. It is also possible for the change to impact hardware, software, and documentation in any combination. Looking at this, we have a service made up of hardware, software, and documentation. In your organization, what will you define as a standard change? What will you define as a minor change? 
you can also apply the same logic to various layers. What will be a hardware standard change for a system? What will be the document minor change? You can do the same layer now for configuration items, and you can do the same for attributes. When you change an attribute, are you really doing a change? This is where standard changes come in. If you are replacing a tire on your car because it is worn, this is a standard change, and do you have to record that? If you are upgrading your tires on all four wheels to go from standard tires to high-performance radials, what type of change is that on your vehicle? The same logic applies to your IT infrastructure. When you are upgrading somebody's laptop, is that a standard change? Or is that a minor change? Or is it a significant change? You will decide in your organization. In my career, one example that I came up about are servers. One organization I know considers an upgrade to a server or the installation of a server to be a standard change. They have about 23,000 servers. Take an organization with three servers. If they install a new one, to them that would be a major change. The change model will include a change policy. The policy will be on what constitute a change to this particular platform or service. The change model will also include who will be assessing the change on this service or platform. If the change request is about a software item, who has the knowledge to assess that change? If the change is about documentation or hardware on a particular platform, who has the knowledge to assess that change? From A, a business perspective, B, a feasibility perspective, C, the risk of doing it versus not doing it. The policy will also include the lead times for building, testing, implementing the change on that service or platform. So at this point on the change model, we have a policy that describes who assesses, what is a change, and the lead times to build, test, and implement. The policy in the change model will also include when and who updates the appropriate records and documentation. The reason is very simple. We need to keep the Configuration Management Database, the CMDB, up to date at regular intervals. We do not want documentation to be a bottleneck so that we have differences between what's out there in the infrastructure and what we have recorded in our Configuration Management Database. We also have to look at who is authorized and empowered to execute the modification. When somebody borrows a book from a library, that's fine. However, in your organization, can you allow your IT staff or the end users to go into your definitive hardware store or into your definitive software library and download or borrow any parts that they want at any given time? That would be chaos. What we have here is a situation where we have to define who will be empowered to borrow or take away from the definitive software library or the definitive hardware store. 
we can start seeing that there is a major relationship between the change model and how it relates to release management. From here, we need to look into moving from the change to the release. Therefore, we need to assess the change, build the release, test the release, and implement the release. Many will argue at this point that it will depend on the type of change that we are doing. This is true. However, the release management activities will apply whether we are implementing a standard change or a major change and everything in between. It is important to always relate your change model to your release policy as well as the execution of it. Now that we have our change model, we can now start looking at building the procedures and possibly work instructions for each type of change. Minor change, standard change, hardware change, software changes, documentation, as well as the amount of details for each change. Your RFC form, the request for change form, might be dynamic depending on the type of change selected. You may want to have a lot more information if it is a major change as opposed to a standard change. Therefore, defining what needs to be tracked for each change. This will influence your release policy and this will also influence the level of detail of your configuration management database. I would like to thank you for attending this PINCast. For further information, please go to www.pinkelephant.com and follow the link to Atlas where you will find this type of information and also further information on deployment, planning and implementation of various processes.